Welcome to episode 30 of This Is Not a Rebuild. Uh, we have survived the Cardinal series. Some of us with our souls more intact than others, but uh, we're all here in some form. Uh, I'm Matt Trueblood, and all four of us are, are on the show tonight. We got Todd Trueblood. I'm here. We got Tom Nurse. Todd's here. <laughs> and we've got DJ Fox. Say yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah, it was so we're recording as the final outs of this much needed uh, victory to salvage one in that Cardinal series are being recorded. Uh, but it was not a great series. And it was is sort of the mirror image of the series that just played against the Marlins, right? Where two good wins and then a frustrating loss uh, to finish it. Uh, we sort of got the opposite of that with this Cardinals one, but the theme continues to be frustrating losses, like games you got to win, or at least the way you're losing them is not okay with me. Still in all, uh, they're right in the thick of it and felt good to let out a bit of frustration tonight. Um, and hopefully kind of keep the Cardinals pinned down. Although I think they missed their chance to really do that by not winning the series. Hey, if we have any luck right now, Wilson Contreras could strike out to end the game. <laughs> it that has been the the headline, and uh, the fact that it was absolutely the headline just in not only among the Cardinals but throughout all of baseball coming into this series, the Cardinals made sure that the headline was, "Uh, Wilson Contreras is bad." Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Just, yeah. Uh, I do, and I'm sure, you know, some of his behavior over the last few days, which we'll get into, probably makes it harder for some people to summon this. But I really do feel bad for Wilson. This is a, it's a pattern for the Cardinals. They yeah. they experience almost no adversity. They're, as an organization, as spoiled as, Packer, as the Packers are. Uh, but when anything goes wrong, they throw the dumbest fits. And they love to roll players, individual players, whose fault is a tiny part of the bigger problems that happen. Push them right under the bus rather than have any of that dent the the magic armor, the shining armor of their Cardinals way. Uh, and this time it's Wilson who got chewed up and flattened under there. And I think your favorite thing was, what was it, one of the coaches or the GM that, Made the made the comment about if the pitchers wanted Wilson to be their catcher, he would be their catcher. Uh, which yeah. you know, oh, it's not the front office's fault. The <laughs> pitchers don't like him either. It is unbelievable. Yeah. So no, first of all, that. ultimately, this is a decision that has to be made at the front office and the managerial level to do anything to even let anything sneak out into the press that suggests it was not made. The decision was not made by them is irresponsible cowardice uh but also the fact that clearly they let 
the pitchers just walk into the room and bitch and moan until they made that change <laughs> is emblematic of terrible weak leadership in the very infrastructure of the Cardinals. I don't, and look, all of that said, I have been saying that the reason the Cubs didn't want to re-sign Wilson Contreras, the reason the market for him was actually pretty narrow as a catcher this winter is that this stuff is real. But to make this decision 25 games into a five-year contract is stupid. It's out loud stupid. And the fact that the front office, who, again, they have to be the drivers of that decision based on the monetary stakes, if nothing else, that they're letting pitchers just walk into Ali Marmol's office and change their minds about this $87 million investment they just made is out loud stupid too. And I I cannot believe uh, how badly the Cardinals handled that whole thing. I hope it continues to blow up in their faces like nuts. Um, and Well, I can say that I'm, I'm very happy that the Cardinals look stupid now. The much hated Cardinals <laughs> look stupid because I, you know, I'm always going to be happy when they look stupid. But I, from my personal perspective, I also don't want to give the impression that I am in any way defending Wilson Contreras because he's been a dick for the last two days. Can we say that on the podcast? Sure, we can. I mean, I, okay. I yeah. said bitch already, so we're on yeah. a roll. We're, I'm just going to slap that explicit label on this episode and we are good to go. Uh, <laughs> he absolutely so, has been, and also responsible yeah. and cut us. So, <laughs> so maybe, and, and I, I don't know the man personally. Maybe this is who he is, and this is why they don't like him. I, I don't okay. even care. It's all good for me because it's 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 much hated cardinal pain, which the game just ended, and now I want to dance on the much hated cardinal pain, and this is say ha 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 ha. This is my thing. And one of uh, there were a list of reasons that I wish the Cubs. I sent you guys a link this week in our group chat to an article I wrote five years ago saying the Cubs should trade Wilson Contreras. Yep. yep. There were a lot of reasons for that. One that got added to the list more recently than that article, but certainly by 2020 and stayed true throughout his last few years in a Cubs uniform. He is just. And I don't even want to say he's dick because I think it's mostly performative. I think he needs to like summon up this oppositional thing to motivate himself. But that is a screaming red flag of a flaw in your process as a baseball player. It's part of the problem with his game that he constantly has to do that. It's he the last few years, the beanball wars that they would get in with the Brewers just because the Brewers figured out. All you have to do is pitch the man inside and he crumples into a useless husk of a hitter. And then he would throw fits and call for pitchers to throw at the Brewers in retaliation and scream. At, but, you know, all of that is I don't even I don't I don't want to focus on whether it makes him a bad person or like someone who's easier to root against, because I do think a lot of it's put on. But that's even worse. Yeah, uh, I think it makes him a pretty bad ball player overall. A guy that I wanted off the team, not only because he's not good at handling pitching staffs and not good at framing pitches, um, but because he he puts too much rage into your clubhouse and too much rage into 
his process on the field. And he just had like in clutch moments. I complained about this to you guys all last year. He'd come up in the clutch and he was leaping at the ball, trying to hit it 700 feet, whether that's what the situation called for or not. And he's actually toned some of that down and done better with that, with the Cardinals so far. But the man's just not, I, all I saw when I saw him doing that stuff on the bases, you know, begging for more booze and stuff. I was like, right. that's, that's everything that's wrong with your present and future, buddy. You're, well, you're not it, a master of the moment right now. You're a prisoner of it. He He's all about him, which is, is probably common in most uh, professional athletes, including baseball players. I mean, he's it, his, his narcissism fuels what he has been doing for the last few days and his narcissism fuels his, distaste for the Cubs letting him go or not letting him stay on as a catch as a catcher. Uh, and I'm sure he's crabby about that now that he's a, a non much hated Cardinal catcher. So yeah. it's just all about him. And that is actually bad, bad for teammate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I think Ali Marmol is my, my favorite Cardinal ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I will fight for him until the day I die. Yeah. Love yeah, him. I, Thank you. Great thing. Treasure this man. We all, I, we all, he, everyone he rally just, to protect Oliver Marmol. Yeah. <laughs> if they I, come for his job, we have to link arms around him. Uh, part of me, part of me also wants to just celebrate, you know, Wilson, Wilson's struggles and the Cardinal struggles. And then a small part of me wants to believe this was all part of the plan. And he's just our Trojan horse into their organization uh, <laughs> just to try to expose them. And then yeah, another, like that idea. another uh, I guess not, not, uh, not pleasant thing that maybe I just pulled from this, which isn't the case is I listened to the compound. Uh, Dakota was going off about everything that Wilson has done. And he was really trying to get Ian to say anything about it. And he refused to uh, basically comment yeah. on the situation, which which was very pro of him. But one thing I thought was very interesting is that he said uh, this was after game one that the, the pod dropped. And he said that he he didn't get a chance to talk to Wilson that day. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, come on. Yeah. If you wanted to talk to him, he would have talked to him. Right. So there's there's something to that. I'm not sure that he was yeah. as well like maybe we want to believe. The other thing I just thought about when you were talking about him not being able to handle pitching staff, what if he would have caught for Zambrano? Would that have oh, just wow. been? There's some volatility <laughs> there. That would have been so fun. <laughs> it would have been amazing. I Yeah. I, I mean, it probably would have ended exactly the way Michael Barrett catching for Zambrano did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I don't know, man. I, and again, then look, all that said, I don't, I don't uh, hate Wilson now, partially because I think he's just trying really hard to make you hate him. And that's part of his process. And I don't need yeah. to give that satisfaction. Right. He's like an internet troll, but in real life. I mean, that's, that's what he's trying to live out right now. It's just trolling the whole yeah. world. Um, but I was actually happy for him that he got a couple of, big hits in that first game of the series. What I was not happy about was the Cubs not showing up and winning two very winnable games against an inferior team. Yeah. Um, which right. Really. And organization. Go ahead. Inferior organization. 
not just the team here. <laughs> no. I, Todd was going to say, so I had to. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I like it. Let's stick with it. But it was not, it was not pretty because I don't, it never ends up feeling like the Cardinals are actually in trouble when they'll come to Wrigley in trouble. It never feels like they're in trouble. It feels like the Cubs are somehow in trouble. Yeah, like the Cardinals yeah. are about to get right on the back of the Cubs. Right. That's how it felt from like the first pitch Monday night. And I can't explain that. It might be mostly in my head through this. That's, in my life, the Cardinals have been better than the Cubs. I don't know, 25 of the 30 seasons that I'm you know aware of watching baseball. Um, but that's I how it's felt when the Cardinals have come to Wrigley Field since 1970. Well, yeah, and probably, I mean, certainly before that, because in the 60s, yeah, the Cubs were terrible and the Cardinals were well, great. So I just don't remember prior to that, right? So I don't know. It was, it really kind of, I didn't have any fun watching this series, none. Um, and maybe that's because I, I didn't fun. get to watch tonight's game, really. But oh, I did not. Even like when Morel hit that homer, by the way, we got to talk about Mervis and Morel being it. here yeah. and the, the Miguel Amaya stint. Um, Mr. Mushroom. But even when he hit that game-tying homer last night, it was awesome. And I did sort of get excited. And then I was like, they're, they're going to find a way to lose this game, though. It just... Yeah, same. And I don't know. Do you guys want to talk a lot about David Ross? I wrote a thing about him, so I don't need to... <clears throat> Go on, I know your mother's here, but... your mother's not happy with you. <laughs> <laughs> because what? She she's big on David. She doesn't want him to go. No, not necessarily. I think it's just, you know, just pointing out people's flaws is is uh, you know, it's not a trait that she admires. I mean. <laughs> I, and yet, I didn't and yet, Bleach, and yet Bleacher Report just came out today and just threw Marquee under the bus, which I thought was lovely. So I <laughs> and I thought Matt's article was good too. So I think it's all just part of what needs to happen. It's a mother thing. It was, I was not, I think, overly harsh. I did not um, say every single thing that you could say to sort of couch it and say, of course, mm -hmm. David Ross has been very important to this organization. Um, he was handed a tough gig the last couple of years and was mostly admirable with it. But also you guys know, uh, like a year ago, I started texting the group and saying they just need to get rid of Ross now. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, this is not new, but now that they, the roster is uh, looking pretty ready to challenge for a playoff spot again. And it matters when you make silly unforced errors, like bad bunts and poorly drawn lineups and deciding to leave a reliever that you brought in and had already given you five strong innings sending him out for the ninth inning of a tie game when he's about to roll over and face the opposing batting order for a third time. I can't have that stuff happening. And it's, it, I could have it happen once or twice in extraordinary situations, but David Ross routinely makes way too many mistakes. So it's game strategy over. is what you're saying. It's not clubhouse. It's no, not... see, I don't think he's a bad clubhouse manager, although I'm not as convinced as some people are that he's a really, really good one either. Um, uh, we talked about this last year. They had a couple of long losing streaks that were not just losing streaks. They were non-competitive streaks. They were streaks where they were beating themselves, playing terrible baseball, looking lifeless, looking unprepared, 
And that falls on the manager, whether it's all, you know, whether he actually did something wrong or it was, you know, a couple of guys who were playing hungover and a couple of guys who have no talent, but the front office just sort of foisted on you. Ultimately, it's your job to have the team ready to play every day. And there were a lot of times last year and in the middle of 2021 when David Ross did not have the team ready to play. So I'm not as sold as others are that he's a good clubhouse manager, but I think he's fine in that regard. He's I'm just not... And he hasn't made the adjustments he needs to make. And it's time to get serious about winning. So either he's going to start improving fast or I'm going to keep saying they need to look at a change. Okay, but so... Uh, yeah, but who is it? Because I, I just don't know that managers mean as much as they used to. Uh, we, you know, we won with Joe Madden, right? So was he a great manager? I don't know. They won. So maybe, is that the answer? <laughs> yes. Uh, but he, then he went off to uh, California and had the two best players in the world, right? And a decent team and stunk on ice. So I don't know what's what's who who is a good manager. Is there a good manager right now? Ali Marmol? No. Sure. I mean, look, yes, absolutely, there are good managers. There's, for one thing, uh, Tito Francona is a great manager. Now, I'm not not every team can have Tito Francona. He's not going to leave Cleveland, you know. Um, but there are Tony at any given available. time in the majors, there are five <laughs> or six managers that I think are doing a great job. Um, and there are probably five or six who don't have a managerial job who you could slide in. I'm not saying it's easy to find that guy. And I'm again, I, I'm not really calling for them to fire David Ross mid-season here. But this this year, we talked about it during the offseason, how maybe 2022 even didn't give you a fair chance to evaluate David Ross as a manager. Well, this year is the year that he's getting his fair audition. So, so far, it's not going well. And he probably has five months left of it, and I'm not going to urge that they fire him during it. But I'm giving an early progress report. Uh, it's not even a, a semester report card yet, but the progress report is lousy, and dude's got to get to work. Yeah. Okay. Let, let, let me ask something. Um, and maybe I don't have the correct vibe on what the Twitter Cubs universe is saying, but I'm hearing a lot of, uh, we hate Hosmer. He's a problem. Ross is a problem. And Seiya is never going to be the guy we think he's going to be. I'm not hearing at all, which I think is the number one problem. And maybe it is out there. It's the front office putting a garbage bullpen out there. Oh, yeah. That's why we continue yeah. to lose. That's why we're losing so, games. Yeah. What I mean, why are we not just continuing to talk about a garbage bullpen that we do have a garbage bullpen? Kind of we all knew thing. was we all knew was not good before the year started. Yeah, it's weird because the last couple of years, what they ultimately did was construct a very clear sort of hierarchical push button bullpen. Here's your seventh inning guy, eighth, ninth. Whether it was Tapera and Chafin to uh, Kimbrel, or it was Michael Givens to Chris Martin to David Robertson, you know they they would pile up these veterans with good track records. And Rossi could go through them one, two, three when he had a lead, right? This year's bullpen's built very differently. I'm not sure it's bad. And in fact, the numbers say it's better than we all feel like it is uh, by a, quite a bit. What it is, is complicated and harder to manage. And that goes right back to, do you have the right guy managing it? Um, I don't 
I haven't hated. There are some things that Ross has done with it that I kind of really like, but I also think, I don't know. I agree that the front office gave him a bit of a muddle where like Michael Fulmer and Brad Boxberger have not turned out to be the same caliber of dudes as like Givens and um, Robertson, let alone Chafin and Tapera and Kimbrell at their best. So he's having to try to figure out on the fly who his high leverage relievers should be, which is challenging because a lot of these guys don't have, you know, like Mark Leiter, as it turns out, might be good, but it's a weird kind of good because he doesn't throw hard and he's actually better against lefties than righties, even though he's a righty. There are a lot of wrinkles like that in this bullpen. So, yeah, I think they have to improve it. Um, and there are actually a lot of ways they could do that. But I think they're still in a sort of fact-finding process right now. Hmm. I don't um, know, though. We, we've known for a while that Boxberger is a great, great, great setup man. And anytime you've tried to put him as a closer, he struggled. So we've seen enough of that. We we didn't need to see that on the Cubs, to be honest. Uh, Fulmer kind of had a, a short span where he showed that he can be a closer. And he, he clearly hasn't shown that yet here. No, uh, no not that I've nope. seen. He, every, when nope. he gets the ball, I get nervous. Right. Right. And then look at anybody else. There's some good arms out there, but nobody where you're like, See, this is always a thing that 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 drives me nuts about bullpens. Is that okay? We've so we've got a garbage bullpen. What do you do? I know. There's, there's, you know, I mean, you can't trade for that. You can't, you know, you can start looking around at uh, at people on the street and said, "Hey, can you pitch?" Um, I mean, what's the difference going to be? Maybe Hayden. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Ben yeah, Brown. I mean, maybe. Yeah. No, it's so that's that is the right question um and hayden is one potential option because they already announced hendrix is going to make another rehab start for iowa on sunday after that i think wait, wait. his next one go ahead did you guys see did you see what hendrix did the other day five innings of one run ball was it tom, tom he might be back uh i didn't see he might be back so it was impressive you're saying so, i, I missed the report it. for he was vintage Hendricks, five innings, two hits, no runs, uh, utterly dominant control. 87 uh, miles an hour. I, I thought it was important to say that because I'm guessing the two of you didn't see that. He was no. he was locked in. So it's kind of exciting. And we can use that because you get past the big three and it starts falling off, at least for now. I mean, it's still relatively early. But, but see, yeah. the words you just said right there, the big three, holy crap beginning of the year did we really think we were going to have a big three i know we got a big three <laughs> I, yeah, I even it, you know <laughs> even though he's my brother from another mother todd smiley i was not overly excited about <laughs> and now you know i i rub his feet every night if he wants to <laughs> do you good you keep yeah. doing that it works yeah he's yeah, actually getting to the age where that is important so <laughs> yeah uh sorry matt you can continue now no 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 that's absolutely an important uh, thing to point out. And so Hendricks pitches Sunday for Iowa still. After that, next start's probably in the majors. And th- here comes a decision point then of um, do they go to a six-man rotation, which is an interesting option, or does Hayden have to be sent either to Iowa 
or to the bullpen or, you know, sometime in the week and a half between now and then does someone have an injury that needs to be nursed or, you know, stretched out. So uh, we'll see what they do with that. But Wesneski is one potential solution in the bullpen. Have you guys heard about the other one that could be creeping up on us here? Actually, there are two more in Iowa. Uh, one is Cody Hoyer, whom they got in the Craig Kimbrell deal, <laughs> along with yep. Madrigal. Uh, Tommy John? Yeah. Yeah, he had TJ last March. Um, but he's throwing like 100 miles an hour. That's something I saw that he's just tearing it up. Yep. Yep. So he could be that guy who a very traditional fastball slider. See, this is the other thing that's weird about the current guys they have in the bullpen, Alzali, Thompson, even lighter. Uh, all these guys, it's like four or five pitches. They got like starters arsenals out there, but no one pitch that just dominates dudes. And that makes me so much more nervous than having somebody who just has a wipeout slider, you know? I, I don't know why, but that's just how it, it feels to me. Uh, Hoyer would be that guy who brings back its two, maybe three pitches, but he's just going to wipe you out. The other dude, hmm. even more exciting. Uh, ben Brown, whom they got for David Robertson just last summer, just got promoted from double to triple A and made his first start, no, his second start already, I believe, with Iowa today. Five scoreless innings, 10 strikeouts. Wow, holy cow. Uh, he is, and the stuff is exactly how that line sounds i mean guys it's wow and they the reason he was available for a rental reliever last year is that he's just been this little bit slow developing where he already had to be put on the 40 man last winter to protect him from the rule five so it's pretty easy to get him up to the majors i don't think they necessarily want to rush that process um and i don't think it would be like you know, I don't think they're going to bring him up to spot start because of an injury or something. But I do think if they're still competitive in a month and a half and want to try something before they go and lavish resources on the bullpen at the deadline, it could be Ben Brown comes up and is like a, a multi-inning absolute relief ace to add to that mix. So there are a lot of decent solutions to this problem that you've rightly pointed out, Deej, is nagging the team um but it, we just don't know which one if any are going to actually materialize yet well god bless the minor leagues yeah, yeah hopefully I mean, yeah. it's been an exciting 10 days right with uh seems like every couple of days somebody comes up and makes a splash yep bottom three guys in our lineup today reached base 10 times by the way nice Holy cow. love it I, okay, so they um, just showed a replay of of uh, Contreras doing his little finger thing, oh, right? And uh, so now I miss really missing the old days of. I mean, think of the next time the he came up. Yeah, next time <laughs> he come up, it's going to go right over your head, and the next one's in your butt. Maybe. I mean, it's just I don't know. Uh. I think. Uh, well, you know, DJ, your observations on the compound pod are salient points. Um, I don't think there's enough enmity in that clubhouse toward Wilson that they'd want to start something with him exactly. But I do think, you know, the reason that Wilson used to get so grumpy at everybody, 
uh, the Brewers especially, but there were other teams, is they were pitching him inside. It wasn't to bully him. It's because you pitch him inside. Like, you pound him in with two good mid-90s sinkers, and then you throw him a slider away. It's a simple recipe, and it'll work almost every time. I I don't know why the league hasn't figured him out more than they have, to be honest. Yeah. He can't hit the inside sinker, and then if you set him up for it, then you're also going to be able to get him out with the slider away, which is just what Fulmer did to him the last two nights. One sinker that broke his bat on Tuesday night, and one, uh, or maybe that was Monday night, doesn't matter. And then tonight, a uh, wipeout slider for a strikeout. Those things work on Wilson super high percentage of the time. And so you just bust him in anyway. And if he wants to get mad because one flies in and, and bumps him, then that, again, is his own problem. Um, but I don't know. So we'll somewhere see. between 2007 and 2010, Ted, Ted Lilly, who was number 30, like our podcast, ah, would have thrown one in his ribs. <laughs> But this is not the Ted Lilly podcast. I would consider this my personal. I would call it the Matt Stairs. Matt Stairs. Okay, that's. I mean, I mean, only one season, but no, it's really it's good. It's you know. I'm sorry. You have a Matt Stairs jersey now. You know, I don't really. I don't put other people's names on my back. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a Ted Lilly one. So do you really? Oh, nice. I do. But do you have a Ken Holtzman? Because truly, it's it is nothing but Ken Holtzman. Thirty number thirty. There's a lot of names in here that that uh, we would like. Matt Clement, uh, Travis Wood. We all like Travis. Um, you know, Bob Scanlon back in the early '90s, and Chuck Rainey in in the '84 season. Steve Stone worth number thirty. But Ken Holtzman, you know, Hall of Fame. I, I don't know that Ken was a guy that would have put one in your ribs. But, Ken uh, was Hall of Fame, isn't he? Ken Holtzman's Hall of Fame, isn't he? So. I don't think he's in the Hall. Really? He's a wow. Very good pitcher. I think he's a 500 uh, career pitcher. I think. Yeah. Is he really? I mean, but yeah. some of that is because he pitched for some really, really bad Cubs. Teams. No kidding. You yeah. were going to lose no matter what you. Uh, yeah, of course he had the A's for you know four or five years, but and the Yankees. Yeah. But yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well. They keep anyway. comparing Shohei to Babe Ruth, but no one ever talks about Travis Wood. <laughs> they should. That's we do love I, Travis Wood. And I mean, look, unlike Shohei, it. that coward, Travis Wood would go to the outfield for you if you needed him to. So. That's right. <laughs> Pinch run. I I Pinch run. Man, be misremembering because I did not remember that Matt Stairs wore thirty. So apparently, this is a blind spot for me. But, well, I'm uh, wondering. It's one of those things. He's he's only on here for one season in 2001. Did he play for the Cubs more than that? Yes, yes. So maybe he has a different number somewhere. Yeah. I was gonna say that number didn't feel right. Felt like he was. No, I'm sorry. He only wore, played for the Cubs for one season. Matt Clement. He no, he no, didn't. No, oh, Matt Stairs. Matt Stairs. Oh, I oh, thought you were talking oh, about oh, Stairs. Oh, 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 got it. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Stairs, I believe that I was just, I just didn't remember that one. But the 30 that I remember, because he, he uh, really failed us by getting his wrist cracked when he did, uh, was Mike Olt. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. The guy That's they got, the Garza deal. No. Who no, not I only, 
<laughs> not only did he bust, but he couldn't he couldn't even hold out on busting long enough to cover the Cubs tracks on manipulating Chris Bryant's service time. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> the beginning of 2015, they start with Olt as the third baseman so Chris can work on his defense in Iowa. And they needed to keep him down for like 11 days. Uh, and on day like eight, Mike Olt gets his wrist broken by a pitch. And they just had to pretend that wasn't true for a, a few more days until they could bring Brian up. And that really laid bare the artifice and the the avarice of it and sort of i mean honestly that particular thing i i i understand that it was an issue already bryant was far from the first superstar to have his service time manipulated i get all of it and i really do think that michael getting hurt uh sort of laid bare the farce and began poisoning the relationship between bryant and the cubs before he even got called up um so sorry mike but we're not this podcast is not michael friendly apparently i i kind of feel bad for the the way fate nailed him with a fastball dj seems to be actually mad at michael and i'm not sure why that is but yeah i blame him for false hope that's what I, ah, that's what i blame sure. him for. <laughs> boy that's like almost all the cubs yeah certainly <laughs> all the cubs third baseman i mean we've talked about that oh like really now I, I can say that I'm not happy with Chris Bryant right now because I keep seeing him on on Dairy Queen commercials, and okay, it's okay if he's on commercials, but he gets on there and he looks kind of stupid, and <laughs> says two words and one of them's not even a word. I think he literally says "wow" or something to that effect, and then "dq," which that's not even a word. No, wait it's a minute. So you're saying he is on a national ad campaign that's the yes. face of baseball chris bryant no nope, baseball he sits players there. aren't really you know like that they're not really so household known that they can be on national campaigns so it's chris bryant chris bryant and freddie freeman they sit there eating ice cream okay it's uh and the freddie freddie actually does some talking not very much but chris says wow and dq and and you know they're not <laughs> I, I just I don't know if it it's Chris if he's that bad or if uh, DQ really needs to work on their writing. <laughs> well, well I mean, I'll tell you well, what though, Riz is always the talker of those two. I mean, he kind of deferred to Riz for everything. So yeah, it's true. Maybe that's the role he plays. Yeah, I remember uh, <laughs> someone told a story about Anthony Rizzo started one year with like eight homers before he had any doubles. Um, and they were talking to Rizzo after the game in which he hit one of those homers. And Rizzo was like, yeah, everything just keeps clear in the fence. I don't know. Uh, I know this guy thinks it's hilarious. And the reporter said, Chris Bryant was at the next stall, just cackling with laughter. And he gasped <laughs> out two words, zero doubles. That's just Chris Bryant is... <laughs> He is the yeah. absolute antithesis of Wilson Contreras. There's a spectrum and they are at opposite ends of it. Like yeah. Chris got his money. He is extremely happy in his marriage and the the beautiful place to live that is Denver, Colorado. He's never going to be on a winning team again, but he's hitting pretty well this year. 
and he's mm-hmm. clearly just having fun, and he's a very low maintenance guy. I like maybe that's it. He's in Colorado. Maybe he's just high all the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we can't rule it out. I don't. Yep. Uh, it's right there. You can just buy it. I I think none of the major leagues test for that anymore. Like, I think that's true. Yeah, like LNBA MLB. So, well, if they tested for it, we'd be in trouble because I think we have the number one smoker in the in the big leagues. Who would that be? <laughs> uh, okay. Settle this for me. Who is it? Have I run this past you before? I am convinced, and I get mixed reactions when I throw this out. I really think Cody Bellinger looks like there's a meaningful physical resemblance to (laughs) 70s Springsteen. Like he looks like (laughs) born to run era Springsteen to me. No, I gotta pull that up. Yeah, I gotta you gotta do a side by side. That's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Sometimes I see that people are like, yeah, okay, I could see it. And sometimes I'm told I'm crazy, but I, I'm convinced it's real. Well, uh, if he's not Springsteen, <laughs> he should be at a Springsteen concert circa 1979. Cause right, right, right. Probably not a Springsteen concert now. Those, right, those. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Although I hear he still puts on a good show. All right, we need to take a quick break. Tom can look up a picture of Cody Bellinger and decide whether <laughs> he looks like Bruce Springsteen, and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. Uh, I think we touched enough on Cody Bellinger, who he resembles, what it looks like he does in his free time. Uh, <laughs> we've got time for just one more brief Cubs-centric in-the-moment topic before we pivot to our final stuff. Uh, and I think it needs to be the young hitters who have been oh. called up to sort of revitalize it, the lineup. Sing it, All the young dudes. <laughs> And then I don't know what the words are. Baby, Mott the Hoople. Yeah. It's uh, Carry the News, isn't it? Oh, it was a Carry the News. Okay. Love him. We all love him. We love him. Even though Mervis is kind of, uh, yeah, maybe he should sit for a little while. Uh, He's down to like 137, but who cares, man? Love these kids. And, you know, Amaya, is he going to stick around as the second catcher? They optioned it back down today uh, with Gomes coming off the injured list. So that's your answer. I think Amaya, first of all, impressed the heck out of me. I We talked, I don't know, over the winter, I think, about, I think DJ made the crack that he's practically as old as we are. Um, <laughs> and that he, you almost have to treat him like anything you get from him is gravy, which is unfortunate. It's not his fault, but he just had a sequence of rough injuries, right? But boy, it looks like he survived him with his talent completely intact. Dude is very committed to catching. The pitchers were raving about him. And he looked good at the plate. So I love it. Uh, the the situation it sort of reminds me of, he's a much better defensive catcher than this, but it, what it kind of reminds me of is uh, Schwarber in 2015, or actually mm. Wilson Contreras in 2016, where uh. they came up as a third catcher. And they would use Schwarber especially as a DH when they were in AL parks. Um, and he'd be kind of a third catcher slash available just as a bat. Um, and if Amaya can go to Iowa and hit with the sort of thump that he's shown, then 
he could be valuable just in that role, uh, depending on, you know, like right now they don't need that and they need him to go get some seasoning at AAA. But if the end of July comes and Christopher Morrell still looks great, we'll get to him in a second. You can nudge Nick Madrigal off this team in a number of different ways and put Miguel Amaya into his roster spot, but have Morrell slide to the role Madrigal was filling and give Amaya that kind of 2015 Schwarber, 2016 Contreras. You're a, you're a great hitter who's also available as a catcher for us. Um, the, the good thing right there is that the, the last at least one, if not two times that Matt has dissed uh, thick Nick Madrigal, um, the boys come out and driven in like three runs the next game and, and won the game for him. So, you know, we got that to look forward to now. Todd, I feel like you're his only defender. I mean, like even the instant <laughs> that he came over to the team, everyone's like, boo, you know, yeah, I feel like, yeah. you know, he's your boy kind of, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, gotta... you know, uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm not a fan. crap more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it's kind of it's kind of like Matt said. Like you'd you'd really only have to nudge nudge Nick, you know, <laughs> to go, and then he's running full speed the wrong way, and he's gone before you know it. He's gone. <laughs> he's never come back. Running absolutely full, full speed. as fast as his itty yep. bitty legs will take him, which is not fast enough ever, no matter where <laughs> he's going. But yeah. But he'll get to Iowa. <laughs> Eventually. Um, yeah, it's... And I don't even... I, I think I've been on the slightly higher side of average in terms of hoping that Nick Madrigal could figure it out and liking what the skill set is that he could bring when things are right. I, here's... I don't want to go back and just flog David Ross more, but, like, do you have to hit him lead off? Are the two options he's not in the lineup or he's batting leadoff just because Nico Horner's hurt? Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Come on. <sighs> Especially these days. I mean, you know, you have right. Kyle Schwarber batting leadoff. You have, you know, everybody. You know, it's just it's not the Lou Brock type anymore. And, yeah, Madrigal's leading off. It's Give him that extra at bat. I say bat him ninth. You know, yeah. so he gets four bats, not five. If nothing else, since you've had Morell to play these last two nights, he and – madrigal it felt like we're in each other's spots in the batting order uh so let's talk about christopher morell because mm. love Mr. that mushroom uh, what i what i love Violence. is you you know the whole time he's thinking and i'm sure he loves mervis but he's thinking i should have been the first guy up there before nelson mm -hmm. and before mervis oh yeah and nelson first, too yeah and his right. first game he comes up and he says matt this is how you do it this, this is how you do it. And I know Mervis is going to be great. I have full confidence in him. But Morrell Mar made sure to get that bomb in there right away. And I loved that. And just the, I mean, the explosion. When it when it left, he's pumping his fist, going around the bases, just losing it. And yeah, we talked about before he was called up how what this team might have just needed was a little more Christopher Morrell energy. I think... <sighs> There's no such thing as a little bit of Christopher Morrell energy, but that energy is there now. Mm. I mean, whoo, whoo, it's just, it's fun to watch him, even when he's not playing. Like on the bench, he's fun to watch. The yeah. dude is infectious. And, and he's hitting. He's, I mean, it's great to be a, a rah rah guy and, and a good influence, but it's also good to hit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he hits the ball hard. They, 
they turned a double play, was it last night? Yeah, when the game was still tied. There was a double play that went Assad to Morel to Mervis. And Morel's turn was sick. Mm. Coming across the bag and off balance, he had to catch and throw in a single motion. It was beautiful. I mean, he had just by the numbers, he had the strongest second base arm arm in baseball last year. Wow. Um, wow. So that shouldn't shock and us. I, but... And I don't think he's been thrown out at home yet either. So <laughs> that one. <laughs> Come on, picking on Nick again. Jeez, please. You know, all these kids coming up, who would have thought two years ago that Brennan Davis, there'd be this whole list of people coming up before he did. And I'm not sure he's really slated to come up this year, is he? There'd have to be an injury or a, you know, like an unexpected thing would have to change to open a a spot for him. Um, The unexpected things happen all the time. You know, whether it's Trey Mancini getting hurt or uh, maybe they finally part ways with Hosmer and are okay with adding a righty instead of a lefty in that spot, then he could be up. I mean, he's over the last, I want to say almost month now, three, four weeks, he's been hitting much better in Iowa than he was just at the start of the year. Mm. Uh, But even so, you know, there's put it this way. This week when Baseball America updated their top 100 prospects for the year, uh, they're doing monthly updates now. And they actually took Davis off the top 100. Uh, Thanks. So it doesn't mean he's a non-prospect, but he's just, that's the direction of his arrow at this moment. So Hmm. he could still come up and contribute, but it'd be at this point, it'd be kind of like a pleasant surprise, sort of like Amaya was. How's Tom's boy doing? PCA? Yeah, I don't know. Matt? Todd? He's hit hit a little bit of a slump too, which is fine. He's in double A and it's not like, no one's expecting him to be an impact player for this year's team. Though the really hot start he got off to might have made you entertain that. Um, And the slump he's in is not like crisis level. It's just even even a good hitter is going to go through lulls. And that's kind of where he is at the moment. Obviously, the good thing with PCA is defense doesn't slump, or it, it actually can. People say that, but it it can. But his that doesn't seem to hasn't been. So, yeah, progress continues. Uh, and although the hitters, there have been these, you know, just a few promotions, mostly dictated by opportunity. They're like promoting their pitchers through the minors in waves right now. We already talked about Ben Brown, but a lot of guys getting the bump from one level to the next creeping up toward the majors. So, so maybe they they are preparing to, uh, to clean out the garbage bullpen and, and bring in some fresh arms. Uh, I really, maybe, hopefully they're doing that and, and we can give them some credit for that. If it happens. Exactly. One way or another, it feels like this, this year we're going to see a lot of like, either they're going to fall out of contention, which uh, we, don't need to assume that that's going to happen yet. But if, if it were to happen, they'd have some good pieces to sell. And then in August and September, you'd see a lot of some of these guys. Or people like Ben Brown are going to be promoted to to fill gaps on a contender. Or Miguel Amaya is going to come back and fill that sort of third catcher slash plus bat role. Uh, we are going to see young dudes making major contributions down the stretch here. 
uh, Matt Mervis, we haven't talked a whole lot about. And obviously, like you said, the, the start by the numbers is slow, but you can still see it. I mean, he hits the ball hard sometimes right. and took a tough pitch to left field, sort of a floating line drive for a RBI the other day. I like some of the stuff already. And I think once he settles in, we're going to see consistent power, which is the thing that's missing so far. Yeah, that that I think I on our group text, I mentioned that uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but his single that you know first hit in his big league career was the fifth hardest hit ball right. of the season for the Cubs. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, Morel has been I didn't I don't see whether any of his hits tonight were torched. Um, but in Iowa, he was putting up just scary exit velocities and he's probably going to be at the top of that leaderboard for the team here pretty soon. So they added a jolt to an offense that for two and a half weeks now has really needed one. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a matter of those guys actually going out and, and doing what we hope and, they can yep. do. Performing. Yep. All right. Well, let's pivot to our uh, final segments here. And I, by popular demand, the random cub of the week is back. This is a tricky one for you oh guys. Oh boy, here we go. I'm confident you can get it because of it. You'll see. All right. <laughs> this is a picture the Cubs signed out of the Dominican Republic in 1991. He pitched for them from 1996 to 98, although he was waived in May of 98. So he was not around, you know, for all of that wonderful season. Overall, kind of ugly numbers. He went 6-11. and 11 with a 5.36 ERA, pitched 49 total games, 22 of them starts, had 163 innings pitched, 111 strikeouts, 55 walks. It's a six foot four inch, 220 pounder. That's your rating cup. Six foot four? Is that what you said? Have you heard of him? I don't know, Deej. I feel like probably you've probably heard his name you probably loosely associate him with the cubs but he's you know obscure enough that he's a random cub what did he do after his cubs years uh, he went on to the diamondbacks and had a a run of two or three decent years with the phillies after that mostly hmm. as a reliever but uh, he stayed in that kind of swingman role Righty lefty. Right. What'd you say? Hmm. Picturing a gangly left hander that went from the Cubs through maybe just straight to the Phillies. You said 6'4, right? 6'4, 220. Big dude. Yeah, that's not tiny. He was part of that, I guess. In, go ahead. Not long Dominican. Groups. Dominican, right? Out of the Dominican. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with. with um, Steve Trexel. No. Not Dominican. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Matt Sayers. The Dominican dandy, as they called Steve Trexel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. A lot of people don't know that about him. No. Most people don't. There are a lot of things that aren't true of people that other people don't know about them. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a hint. Mm, all right. This is okay, a good. If you 
just imagine Pat Hughes saying some baseball names and the way he will really savor a nice mellifluous <laughs> baseball name. Contreras. 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 Um Oh wow. Uh, uh, um I'm drawing a blank. I mean I kinda might have a vision in my head, but I don't know that it's true. So and I don't have a name. Should we just start listing common uh Latino surnames? <laughs> that would be that'd be a mistake because his name is not that common. Ah, okay. All right. Lopez. There was a, there was a guy. Oh God. Um, like Morensis or something like that. Is it? Morensis. That sounds made up, Todd. <laughs> it's like M A U R E N S I S. That name does sound vaguely familiar. It's not who we're That's looking. Not for. who. Okay. He's from the Dominican. Mm-hmm. He wore number 44. That's, uh, what's his name? That's, uh, uh, that's oh, a white guy. Baracus. Well, Farnsworth was 44. Jamie Farnsworth Navarro. This guy was before Farnsworth. It's not Jamie Navarro. I'll give you, so we're coming right up on the anniversary of his debut in May, May 16th of 96. He came up and pitched against the Astros at Wrigley, seven innings, one hit, four strikeouts, six walks, and that one hit came in the sixth inning. He had a no-hitter into the sixth in his big league debut. Oh, and in man, his second I... start, he against the Braves, who were killer at the time, he went into Atlanta and went eight innings, allowing two runs on six hits. And, and that was pretty much the extent of the excitement about this guy, right? After yeah, that, it was like... created eh, a lot eh. of hypes that did not... Uh, he did not deliver on. He ended up in a bullpen role. And again, had some success as a reliever, but mostly after he moved on from the Cubs. And his first name begins with an A. Yes, it does. You, the Todd Todd is doing the Todd thing. I don't no, know that Todd. I'm going to get anything more than... mind melt he's he's gleaning (laughs) the information from his son over hundreds of miles alexis alfonso alexis alfonso alfonso had the six fingers didn't he antonio Um, alfonseca had six alfonseca there it is well 12 fingers maybe his name antonio His first name begins with an A, right? So it's not Am- Amarensis. I just have Mar- Am- oh, Marensis. Oh, no, there's um, Am... Now Tom's doing the Tom thing. Tom's, yeah, I here love we go. To watch you guys oh, like a, a, a Mary? A Mary. Amari. Amari. Amari, yes. It is Amari. A-M-U, A-M-A-U, right? Yeah. A, I don't know how to spell it. Amari, Amari. is... It's like a Mari Sacramento or something. A Mari... That's very close. Ah. Uh, right give it to him. It. Give it to him. I'm trying to think of. Uh, it's no. It's it's uh, like Sacramento. It's not. It, it's a um, Takahashi. <laughs> it's Wrong a T though. It's a T, right? It is. 
It is. This is fun uh, for me. Tellez? Uh, Marty Tellez? I'll, I'll, you uh, know, I, in, terms of, in terms of rhythm and syllables, Sacramento's on the right track, Sacramento. and it starts with T. T Tassano. Tassano. Telemaco. Amore Telemaco. Yes. Nice. Ne Good job, Tom. Tom. Hey. That give it to DJ it. Two. That was a team effort. I, it was a it was a beautiful team effort. I love it was watching a beautiful team effort, effort coming together. Yeah. Wow, we yeah. could split this one a third, a third, a third. I don't know. Really did not it. deliver on that promise, but uh, he was he was interesting at a time when the Cubs were largely boring. So mm. that's our random cup of the week. And cool, it's a good one. I like it. That is a good one. We have a new version of the landscape tip of the week. Ooh. And Dad, I'll just hand out off to you to lay it on us. Yeah, because I've been re recycling uh, landscape tips for quite some time now, and I'm, I'm I don't know because I have not done any uh, any background checking or any uh, polling on this, but I'm guessing that people are getting tired of hearing me talk about mulch. So I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm kind of switching over to uh, tree of the week. I've I've been known in the past and called myself in the past Todd the Tree Geek. Um, so I'm going to start talking about trees a lot. So two things, one DJ planted a Macintosh, uh, apple tree. Uh, so this is kind of two trees of the week. Um, and when he, uh, when he mentioned that he had planted an apple tree, my first response was now plant two more, um, <laughs> plant another apple, uh, and then maybe a cherry or a pear or whatever you like, but, uh, the one thing that I, that I will say about fruit trees is that they like uh, they need to be pollinated. Um, some are self pollinating, but you're going to have better luck if you have if you can cross pollinate uh, from one tree to another uh, and let the birds and the bees and the uh, butterflies and hummingbirds do that for you. Uh, so it's better to have a, a couple plant a couple trees um, and maybe. And it could be two, it could be 20. Uh, the nice thing about uh, fruit trees is that they come in different sizes now. So it used to be, you know, the old trees that you see when you go to the orchard and you pick apples, those are standard apple trees. And and you'll notice that those have been cut down so that you can actually uh, actually pick the fruit. They're, they're topped out and they're much smaller than they would normally be. Standard uh, apple trees will get up into the 30 foot tall range but for the most part uh, now most trees are either dwarf or semi-dwarf which means they'll be somewhere around eight to ten feet tall as a dwarf and maybe up to 15 as a semi-dwarf and for the most part uh, what you would be able to buy or you would want to buy for your home would be a dwarf and it's only going to get to a point in size that uh, is easily manageable for you to uh, treat it, spray it if you need to, and to pick pick, um, pick the fruit. Um, so just my little aside for uh, DJ's apple tree. Uh, but one of my absolute favorite trees, if not my favorite tree of all time, is, is called a service berry. Uh, the botanical name is Amelanchor canadensis. That's probably the most common service berry that's out there. Um, 
I have one in the yard that uh, I, I love, and I'm, I'm, if I could, I'd plant five or six more, and I might. Um, called a service berry, also called a June berry, because the fruit that comes out uh, usually hits in about June in the upper Midwest. Um, the things, there's a number of things that I like about this tree. You can, for one thing, it's it, if it was evergreen, it would be perfect because it, it has great spring flowers right now. Ours are, mine is in bloom currently, uh, followed by a uh, small, very tasty uh, fruit. Uh, it's like a, it's like a small version of a blueberry. Uh, but uh, my grandmother had a pie recipe for it. And basically, if you can make a blueberry pie, then you can make a service berry pie. And uh, the only thing you've got to do is get out there before the birds get to it and get the, the, the berries picked. And then it's got an excellent, excellent fall color. Uh, and actually, it's still perfect because I think it's got interesting uh, bark uh, through the winter. It's got, it's got kind of a striated bark, so it uh, has a little bit of interest to it. Um, it's also native to the upper Midwest. It's native to Canada. It's tougher than we are. So, um, virtually anybody that's listening to me right now, all two of you, um, you can plant this thing and it'll be a great tree in your yard. It also, you can, you can get it in a multi-stem form. So it's more of a large shrub, uh, or you can buy single stem versions that give you the tree look. Uh, depending on how you're going to use it in the yard and where. Uh, it doesn't get very big. It only gets to be maybe 20, 25 feet tall. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a great tree. It's one of the best trees uh, that you could possibly put out there. And like I said, it's native to our area. So it's already uh, built up its resistance to whatever's going to come out, come its way. Uh, and it's not overly, uh, overbred so that it, uh, you know, what happened to a lot of the ash trees is they were trying to make all these different types of ash trees. And then one insect said, well, I'm going to eat all those. Um, and this is not, it's not been overbred. So, um, it's, it's a great tree. Amelanchor canadensis, service berry or June berry, whatever you want to call it, go out and get one and put it in the yard. Well, Todd, Aaron, I, don't know, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Amalama, Amalanka Kamasakas also made his debut for the Cubs in 96. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I did say, not he's, know actually that. The, he's actually the real thin lefty who ended up on the Phillies that you were thinking of. <laughs> yep. well, that's an amazing coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the ash trees that they cleared out of here when we moved into this house uh, 20 years ago. They, they, yeah. We had a bunch of trees in the neighborhood, and like a month after we moved in, they started taking, they started cutting down all the trees. We're like, oh. and uh, twenty years on, we're we're kind of getting back to the way it looked when we moved in. Yeah, it's, it's not kind of, dissimilar to what happened with the uh, American elms in the fifties, and they just all get wiped out by Dutch elm disease. Really? Wow. Yeah. Man, so there you go. Dutch again. Yeah. Uh, but if you do have that situation, you can treat your tree with an injection twice a year. That's true. Call me. Wow. All right. You're going to have to text uh, us that name. And uh, just so you know, I did get a dwarf. So uh, we, yep. we got a dwarf apple tree. So we're safe. Differently heighted. But yeah, we know what you mean. <laughs> it's very, by the way, very confusing that a semi-dwarf sounds like it's about twice as tall as a dwarf. But we'll touch on that another time. <laughs> uh, DJ, That's do you true. have a tax tip for us this week? 
I probably touched on this before, but I'll I'll just do it again because the the radio ads, the TV commercials, the emails, the letters from these uh, mills we like to call them employee retention credit mills. Um, if you get these letters, just just call your CPA. You're gonna you're gonna pay less money, and they're gonna do the credit right, and you're not gonna go to jail. So, uh, literally every reason possible, uh, you call your CPA rather than. Uh, any other firm that's trying to just take a percentage and make the credit as high as possible and then run away and dissolve uh, and not help you when you have legal problems. So you're welcome. Okay. You're welcome. That one, I don't know if it went over my head, but it kind of just bonked it and <laughs> sailed over on a glancing blow, but it sounds important. So I hope that those of you who are actually professionals were listening. Okay, so you, you guys know about like PPP loans and sure. you know, all these all these companies were getting extra funds for uh, just being around basically. Well, then they then they made a credit called the employee retention credit, where you can get credit for just employing people during periods where your gross receipts were down or or, or you were not able to do business, but you're still paying your people. Um, so. That's the basic rules, but you can imagine how the abuse uh, would happen. And when you find these uh, pop-up companies that are running these calculations for people and then taking a percentage of the credit, uh, they would want the credit to be higher than maybe it should be. They're taking aggressive stances. Those firms are being uh, audited by the IRS. People are going to jail. They can't always catch these people. And uh, the clients, the, the taxpayers, the business owners are um you know also getting some steep penalties so uh, i probably just, get uh, one robocall a, a week on that uh just yeah, say you might be eligible for blah, 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 blah. yeah you you should talk to your cpa because you might be eligible um but yeah it's not going to be anywhere near the dollar amounts they're they're claiming they're going to be um yeah, it, yeah. and if they are then they probably did the the, the credit wrong and uh, you they're probably going to then ask you to have your CPA amend all of your returns. And uh, they're not going to sign any documents that you need to. They're going to leave it all onto your liability. So it's kind of a shitty thing. Yeah. But not for our listeners, because you, you've helped them <laughs> head off trouble at the pass. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Tom, you have anything for us tonight? Yeah, mine's pretty short. It's uh, less statty than just uh, something else, but uh this goes under the column of desecration. Oh. So, in, uh, yes, in 2003, I'll read this. In 2003, baseball card company Donruss announced it was cutting up a Babe Ruth jersey to insert swatches into baseball card packs. Donruss previously put sliced up jerseys of Ruth's road uniform flannels and of football legends Doak Walker, Red Grange, and Jim Brown. Red Grange, how many could be left? So yeah. only three game room game worn Ruth jerseys remained after Don Russ cut it up. <laughs> Holy crap! Seriously, isn't that weird? I'd never. I just came across that like a, I don't know a few weeks ago. Never heard that one. Didn't uh, really care about Don Russ baseball cards anyway. I'm a tops guy, but ouch. That uh, vintage memorabilia phase for the baseball card industry also lasted about twenty minutes. And in that 20 yeah. minutes, yeah, we, they went through jerseys of Ruth, old 
bats that belonged to Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle. Is that like, right? Oh, you heard about this. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I was, I mean, I was still a, of collecting age at the time. So um, I didn't really chase those particular things very hard, but they were after a buck, you know, it, it could, those cards were valuable, could sell a lot of packs and boxes, um, especially the th the real thing was you start inserting stuff like that. You're not just going to sell a pack of cards to a kid anymore. Now you're right. selling three, four boxes to a collector who's going to hunt that down and then try to sell it on for profit, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was a real bubble that the baseball card market created for itself. And obviously it popped and I don't, I don't know. Those cards could in and of themselves could still be valuable, but they only contributed to the overall devaluation of the baseball card industry Wow! and destroyed a little bit of baseball history along the way. Not, I mean, how many jerseys of Babe Ruth's do we need to have to be sure that he existed? Maybe not that many, but it, seems kind of pointless i agree there's uh, a really good stuff you should know podcast about baseball card uh, collecting and i think you guys would enjoy it. it's about 45 50 minutes um they kind of touch on some of that stuff but really oh that's cool shameless plug for a, a company that doesn't pay us anything so well <laughs> maybe they'll shamelessly plug us on their next yeah. show there or you go pay us. they could pay us <laughs> we take I'll money that <laughs> we should Thank just start you. mentioning yeah. products on the air and then sending it <laughs> <Just> <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of an ad read on spec yeah it could be uh, influencers i what if, sure I, I think we could have an influence it might not be the best one but after all this podcast is getting marked explicit so oh that's so, right yeah yeah <laughs> all right Did we do well, should we do a quick non-alcoholic drink of choice, Tom? Well, fans, if you want a, ref a refreshing <laughs> drink, a libation after a hard day out in the field, I would suggest drinking bubbly. That's right. Boobly, boobly, sparkling water available at your finest grocery stores. Mm -hmm. And I like, I like bubbler. So oh. I don't know. Obviously, uh, from Wisconsin, bubbler. This, this could tear the podcast <laughs> yeah. apart. Yeah. I had black coffee tonight while we were recording. So everyone Ooh, drink okay. black coffee. But everyone black coffee. I do like that. I do like black coffee. Where do we send the invoice for black coffee? Yeah. Black <laughs> coffee Incorporated. Yeah, Hello, Venezuela. Just send it to, yeah, just send it to Venezuela. Yeah, usually. That's what Columbia, there. maybe. There is an address, but you can't go there. Right, 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 right. They probably wouldn't recognize the Venmo request if I sent it to them. Uh, all right. Well, this has been, this is not a rebuild. You can find our show on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Uh, check us out on Twitter at not a rebuild. Uh, if you want to duck in on the websites that I help run and write at a bunch, they are northsidecubs.com. We're migrating back to northsidebaseball.com soon. I also write for a Brewers podcast or a Brewers website called Brewer Fanatic. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing, which I know most listeners here are not, but it's a thing. Um, actually, this week at, or this this past weekend, 
in honor of the 25th anniversary of the Kerry Wood game. I wrote like 7,000 oh, words wow. about the Kerry Wood game, guys. Oh, cool. <laughs> we can actually here, I'll close this out because it is of interest to, I don't know, you guys at least, probably just you. Uh, the Kerry Wood game, when you watch it back on video, it has a very surreal kind of vibe to it. Have you guys noticed that? Like a visual surrealness. Hmm. Part Not of really. that is because, Why? Why? well, okay, so part of it is it started in the sun and it got rainy as the game was going along and rainy games and the lights of Wrigley and the way uh, the quality of broadcast back then, that's some part of it. But the real thing is, it, which you wouldn't necessarily place right away, but it was May 6th, everything was green. The ivy was in full bloom. Uh, the junipers were up to their their best. I had never really been able to put that together until I was doing a rewatch of this game to write this three-part series that I wrote. And I figured out why. 1997 to 98 was the warmest winter that Chicago had for 100 years. And then the spring of 98, is one of the 10 warmest winters that, or 10 warmest springs that Chicago has had since they started tracking it in the 1870s. And it conspired to, like, I don't know, you could probably go back and check. I'm betting there hasn't been any year since Wrigley Field was built, when, the, or at least since they hung the ivy on the walls, that the ivy has gotten green, greener sooner than it did that year. So when you see shots from behind home plate of Kerry Wood firing the ball in there, it is all just very oddly green for that quality of, of spring light under the rain and, you know, on a kind of chilly day. And the reason is just the strange weather patterns that they had all that season. You've researched this. I think you should write a book on that game if one hasn't been written already. I, 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 this right did, Tom. I mean, it's. It was it was a lot what I wrote there. So if you want to stop by northsidecubs.com and check that out, I think there are other were uh, sort of rabbit holes that I went down on it too. Hope folks enjoy that. But uh, we'll be back next week. And in the meantime, hopefully the Cubs continue to gain ground on the hapless, uh, much hated Cardinals and their eighty-seven million dollar DH. Mm -hmm.